Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. This morning, I, I want to talk to you a, a very well-known story, a kind of iconic, David and Goliath. How many have heard of David and Goliath? If you've ever heard of David and Goliath, you're really a heathen. <laughs> I mean, that story is just... Uh, it, when we were in Sunday school, we, we, it was taught to us over and over and over again, and it's a wonderful story. I remember when... Um, uh, my wife, I was, I was conquering my wife. We've been married for 24 years, by the way. Uh, we only dated for, for six months, by the way. Yeah, wow. Someone said, wow. Yeah. We only dated for six months. And uh, I'm 5'6". My wife is 5'6". But that day, she was wearing 10-inch high heels. And she looked like Goliath. <laughs> and... Uh, I thought, I'm going to go ask her out. And when I got near her, she was just monstering over me. And I thought, man, how how am I going to conquer this giant? Uh, Sure enough, she conquered me. No, but 24 years later, we're still married. And uh, yesterday was her 46th birthday. So, yes. Just, just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> she's 46 years old. She only looks like she's 26, right, baby? <laughs> Praise God. Well, good morning, church. Amen. Uh, there in your outline, uh, I believe they're going to put it up there. We're going to read the story. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 41 to 46. Uh, just really quick, how many men went to the uh, deep sea fishing yesterday? <laughs> Amen. I saw some of the pictures. They had a wonderful time. Now you know what the disciples felt like when they were in the Sea of Galilee, right? I don't know if anybody got seasick. Praise God. Uh, We're going to read it together there in your outline. They should put it up here, or if not, you have it in your outline. It says, the Philistines came on and drew near to David with the shield bearer in front of him. He had someone carrying his shield. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth. A youth back in those days was under 20, so they think that David must have been about 17 years old. Ruddy and handsome in appearance, he was good looking, in other words. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David in his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give you, give your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild animals in the fields. But David said to the Philistine, you come to me with the sword and the spirit and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. 
and I will strike you down and cut your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Just pause for a second. You know, Dave, uh, Goliath said, you know, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to throw your carcass to the birds. And, and what was David's response? David's response was, yeah, you're going to kill me? Well, I'm going to kill you and your entire army. And not only am I going to throw your body into the uh, fields where the birds can eat it, but I'm going to throw your entire army in there. What confidence, amen? Verse 47, and that this assembly may know that the Lord did not save by sword and spirit, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into your hands. And when the Philistine drew near to meet David, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. But his hand, David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine in the forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face ground. Father, Lord, we love you, we thank you, we bless you, Lord. We thank you for allowing us, Lord, to be able to sit at the table, to be fed of your word, God. We, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would speak from the heavens, Lord. Your spirit may descend upon me, Lord, to speak words of power, authority, that you've given us, Lord, to speak through your word, God. Anoint these lips of clay. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, one of my favorite um, movies is Rocky. Rocky Balboa, you know, washed up Southpaw. And those who know boxing, Southpaw means he was left-handed. Southpaw, he, he takes on the giant. He takes on the world champion. And um, he eventually wins. Uh, when Sylvester Stallone was asked about his inspiration for the movie... He told them that his inspiration was David and Goliath. And so when I read this passage, I was reminded of Israel's troubles with giants. Anybody facing giants this morning? You know, the Bible tells us that after two years, the Israelites had been in slavery for over 400 years. And after 400 years, they left Egypt. They crossed over, to, uh, they crossed over the Red Sea. And the Bible says that after two years of wandering in the wilderness, Israel had arrived at the banks of the Jordan River. Now, just on the other side of the banks of the Jordan River was the promised land, the promise that the promised land, the, 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 the land that God had promised Abraham and his descendants, the land that, that flowed with milk and honey. And so the Bible says that God had promised this land, but they stopped there, for the Bible tells us that Moses who was the leader, sent in 12 spies to examine the land, to see if the land was truly the land that God had promised them. And the Bible tells us that when they returned, they reported that the land was surely good, that it was the land that God had promised them so long ago. The only problem is that that land was inhabited by giants. In fact, the Bible tells us that the 10 spies were absolutely terrified of what they had seen there. They told Moses, Moses, yes, this land is wonderful. This land is great. This land is, is, is the land that God has promised. The only problem is that there's giants in that land. 
And they said, well, Moses, I don't think we're going to be able to conquer this land. They told Moses, Moses, we look like grasshoppers compared to those giants. But there was two men, Caleb and Joshua. They saw the same giants and they tried their best to get the people to trust in the Lord and to enter into Canaan, that promised land. But the people listened to the majority and they refused to battle the giants. Now, it's interesting to note that it was only Caleb and Joshua who were allowed to enter into the promised land. You see, had Israel entered into the promised land, there's no doubt that God would have given them the ability to fight and to take that land. But as a result... They didn't. And the only two that were allowed to, Moses wasn't even allowed to enter into the promised land. The only two that entered into the promised land were Caleb and Joshua. Now, what was the result? Well, the Bible tells us that they were condemned for 38 more years of wilderness wandering. They wandered in the desert for for 38 years because of unbelief and lack of faith. Now, 38 years later, they arrive at the same banks of the Jordan River. And once again, Moses, he speaks to prepare them to enter into Canaan. And he does this and he lets them know that they're absolutely going to face giants on the other side of the Jordan once again. So what's my point, Pastor? Well, my point is Israel fled from those giants 38 years before. And when the children of Israel came back 38 years later, the giants were still there. Had the the people listened to Caleb and Joshua, they would not have wandered in the desert for 38 years. God would have given them the victory. You see, I'm speaking to a group of people this morning who are facing some giants. Can I get a witness? And how do I know that? Because we all face giants. I have a few of my own. And the bottom line is this, that we are all going to face giants. Giants of resentment and giants of fear and giants of loneliness and giants of guilt and shame and giants of discouragement and depression and hopelessness and giants of pride and selfishness and and doubt. You You may not want to face your giants. You may want to run from fear. You may want to avoid them altogether, hoping that some way or somehow these giants are going to go away. But you need to know and you need to understand that these giants are not just going to go away. They must be faced and you must be willing to fight those giants if they're going to be defeated. Can I get a witness? Now, this passage that we read presents David as a young man. Now, as I said, back in those days, a young man was considered uh, under 20. So they they think that David must have been about 17 years old. He was a young man. And the Bible tells us that he was filled with the power of God, filled with faith in the Lord. David was a young man who wasn't afraid to go into battle and face those giants. As a matter of fact, he was a shepherd. And the Bible tells us that on one occasion, David faced the bear and he faced the lion. And and David tore the lion and the bear apart. He wasn't afraid of the giants in his life. He was a shepherd. 
He wasn't afraid to go to battle with these giants and claim the victory in the name of the Lord. David truly was a giant killer. So that giant that you are facing this morning, regardless of its nature, can be destroyed. It can be defeated if you are ready to fight. If you are ready to go into battle, I want to let somebody know that this morning that that giant in your life that you are facing today can be destroyed, can can be defeated in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And can I get a witness? So let me share with you three simple steps that are absolutely necessary to be a giant killer. So the first thing is that you have to exhibit the right motives. You have to exhibit the right motives. Look at there in your outline. When Eliab, David's older brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and, and asked him, at him and asked, why are you come down here? And whom did you leave those sheep with? He's, he's speaking of David. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You've come down only here to watch the battle. Now, just let me give you a little background of this. David's father, his name was Jesse. And so the Bible tells us that Jesse, his father, sent David to bring some supplies to his three brothers who were fighting in Saul's army. The Bible tells us that it was pizza, in essence. It was bread with cheese. David was an Uber driver, so to speak, just kind of for the first, for the, for the generation, right? He, he was a carrier. He was, a, he was an Uber driver. He was a, a delivery guy. So his, his father, Jesse, tells him, hey, take some bread and take some cheese. You know, pizza's no new thing. Pizza's been around forever, right? And take it to your brothers. And so the Bible tells us that David arrives at the battlefield and he he finds Saul's army of Israel cowering with fear because of the taunts, the mocks, and the threats of this great giant named Goliath. Now, it seemed that Israel and the Philistines were carrying out an old ritual. You know, on one side, you had Israel's army. They were on a hill. And on the other side, you have you had the Philistine army. And right in the center, you had this valley, and that's where they would fight, and they would look at each other. You know, each army would produce a champion. And these champions would fight to the death, and the side which won the battle would claim the victory over the other. And the loser of the battle would become the servant of the victor. Now, of course, the champion chosen by the Philistine, well, he was no ordinary soldier. In fact, his stats are quite impressive. I mean, the Bible tells us that he was, he was uh, some nine feet, nine inches tall. In other words, he was almost 10 feet tall. Check this out. He wore an armor that weighed 175 pounds. I weigh 176 pounds. Come on now. (laughs) In other words, the Philistine could have carried me, right? 
But his armor wore, his armor weighed 175 pounds. Now he carried a spear, just a spear. The spear weighed over 32 pounds. And this monster was covered with brass from head to toe. I mean, he was a formidable opponent. And defeat seemed impossible. I mean, it seemed questionable. There was just no way that the the armies of God, the the armies of Israel were going to defeat this giant. So I want to tell you this morning that you may look at your problem and you may look at your giant and you may look at your situation and you may look at your circumstances and think, hey, there's no way that I'm going to be able to defeat this giant. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Can I get a witness? You may look at that giant that you are facing this morning and you might say, hey, there's no way. There's no how. It's impossible. It looks too big. There's no way that I'm going to be able to defeat this giant. Well, the word of God tells us and I want to encourage you that it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. That's how we are to defeat the giants. Praise God. The Bible tells us for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. How are we to defeat those giants? It is through God who is working in us and through us to defeat the giants in our lives. Can I get someone to say amen? Amen. That's how we are to defeat those giants. Now check this out. For 40 mornings, the giant taunted the armies of Israel. He mocked the giants of Israel, challenging them to send out a man to battle him. For 40 mornings and for 40 evenings, the Israelites heard those challenges and they retreated into their, te- into their tents in fear. They were terrified of this giant. Anybody terrified of that giant? Someone say it, man. Well, you don't have to be. You don't have to cower in fear because the word of God declares and it tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear. I said, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has given us a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Praise God. However, this day would be different. For it is David who shows up as a delivery boy. And he looks around and he sees the armies of Israel retreating in fear. This day would be different for David would show up not by himself, but with the Lord on his side. And Goliath and his challenges were seen and they were heard by this young man named David. Now David's faith and confidence in the Lord rises to the challenge and and he offers to defeat that giant. And so when David, when David spoke of killing the giant, I mean, his motives were questioned. 
You know, some people may have thought that David was motivated by financial rewards offered to the man who killed Goliath. This is what Saul did. Anybody who killed the giant would be offered a, a, a financial reward. His own brother, Eliab, and David's other brothers, they, had, they knew that David had been anointed king over Israel. And they might, they might have thought that he was trying to advance the name of Israel. But what were David's motives? What were his motives? His motives was to remind them who they belong to. Can I say that one more time? His motives was to remind the Israelites who they belong to. When we fight the giants in our lives, what do we tend to focus on? We tend to focus on the giant. We tend to focus on the circumstance. We tend to focus on, on the mountain, right? And some of us look at the mountain and we tower. We, we cower. We, we're cowards, right? We, we, we cower in fear when we should be looking at the mountain and telling the mountain how big our God is. Can someone say amen? amen. But what was David's motives? David's motives was to remind them who they belong to. And I want to remind somebody this morning who you belong to. As you face those giants in your life, as you face those circumstances in your life, as you face those problems in your life, remember who you belong to. Praise God. Look at what David said. He said, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that should taunt or mock the armies of the living God. You know, the sad thing is that Israel forgot who God is. They forgot the power of God. They forgot how God had protected them in Egypt, and they forgot that it was God who parted the Red Sea, and they were able to walk in dry land. And the most tragic, terrible, uh, the most uh, terrible tragedy of mankind is not remembering their creator. And when Goliath challenges the Israelites, they run away with fear from the giant. Oh, but David, David remembered who he belonged to. And he said, who is this uncircumcised giant that is mocking the armies of the Lord? In other words, David remembered that they were God's army and that God was with them. The Israelites forgot who they were in life. You see, we will all face great giants in our lives in many ways, in many forms. But we need to remember, church, who we are serving. We need to remember who we are and we need to remember who our God is. Can someone say amen? amen? Remember who you are in Christ. And not only remember who you are in Christ, but remember who is your God. Look at what 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says. It says, for you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellence of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I need to remind someone this morning, like I did last time, that you are God's beloved, that you are God's friend, that you are redeemed, that God has purchased you from slavery and he has justified you. In other words, God has declared you unrighteous. You are a creation of God. You belong to God. He is always yours. Always remember that you are a son and a daughter of the most high God. Just as David wanted to remind them who they belong to, I want to remind you, church, who you belong to. You are God's beloved. You are a child of God, and God is with his people. Can someone say amen? Amen. You see, he makes a way where there is no way. That's our God. Maybe I need to say that again. He makes a way where there is no way. He is the God who supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory. He is the God who feeds the 5,000 with two fish and five loaves. He is the God that raised Lazarus. Hallelujah. He is the God who does the impossible in the sight of man. He is the God who saved us from eternal condemnation to give us eternal life. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is that he is our heavenly father. He is the only true and living God, the almighty. He is the alpha and the omega and we are his children, and we belong to him. Praise God. Isn't that a privilege? Isn't that an honor that we belong to someone? Praise God that we belong to the Lord. We kind of exalt ourselves because we, we, oh, I'm in Avila. That's my last name, right? And the Avilas were rich, and someone's, no. Or I'm a Gonzalez, or I'm this, I'm that. No, I'm a child of God. My father sits on high on the throne. I'm a king and I, I'm, a, I'm, a king, I'm a prince, praise God, because I belong to the God that sits on high. Church, if you remember who you belong to, if you remember who you belong to, I want to tell you that you will have the power of God in your life. God will take care of you. He will be your shield. He will be your protector. He will be your provider. He will be your joy. He will be your blessing all the days of your life. Church, do not forget who you belong to. You belong to God. Can someone say amen? You see, when you are facing those giants in your life, ask yourself this question, whom do I belong to? Turn around to your neighbor and tell them, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? We belong to Jesus. We belong to God. He is our Savior. He is our Creator. Praise God. We are His children. He is our Savior. Praise God. And when you see those giants in your life, just ask yourself, whom do I belong to? Look at what Proverbs slot up there in your line. It says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. In other words, you may think what you're doing is good, but your motives aren't right because your deeds are dead. God looks at those motives. Praise God. And just let me say this really quick, and I might get in trouble. You know, there's some giants in our lives that we like to hang, that we like for those giants to hang around. 
What are you trying to say? Yeah, you know why? Because those giants satisfy our flesh and not our spirit. And we don't want to destroy those giants because, hey, they, they, they feed our flesh. They make us feel good. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So you like to keep them around. And you know what those giants do? They destroy relationships. They don't allow you to move forward in the kingdom of God because we like those giants hanging around. You know, we like those giants of addiction. We like those giants of porn. We like to have a sidekick if we're married. And you know what I'm talking We like to go to the honky-tonks. That's what we used to call them back in my days, and I'm old, right? <laughs> or the disco. What do they call them now? <laughs> well, that's what they used to call them, the honky-tonks, right? <laughs> and we don't want to kill those giants because they feed our flesh. They make us feel good, right? And we don't want to slay those because they make us feel good. Listen, brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that, that if you want to make heaven, praise God, if you, want to, if you want to be in glory, those giants need to be slayed. You need to fight those giants because those giants that are just feeding the flesh are going to hurt your relationship with your wife and your children and your kids. And those giants in your life are not going to allow you to move forward in the kingdom of God. Praise God. You need to slay those giants. Even if those giants are wonderful to you, you need to slay. You need to fight those giants. They are no good for you, my friend. Slay them. Kill them. Destroy them because they will eventually take over your life and kill you if you don't destroy those, those giants in your life. Only two said amen. amen. That's right. That's all right. Second is you have to embrace the right methods. And you can write that down. You have to embrace the right methods. Now, when David's plan was to kill the giants, you know, it reached the years of King Saul. Saul was, was a king. You know, the people wanted a king and God didn't want to give him a king, but they said, okay, give us a king. Saul was a young man. And you know, he, King Saul, he joined the, 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 the chorus of naysayers telling David, David, nah, you can't do the job. This giant is too big for you. Anybody ever hear those, those words? You're not going to be able to do it. You're not going to be able to accomplish it. Huh? Anybody ever? You know, the, the Apostle Paul, and I'm going to pause you. The, the, you know, the Apostle, get those negative thoughts, negative people out of your life. You don't need them. You know? Amen. Amen. You don't need those negative people in your life. Get rid of them. I mean, it might hurt even some of your family members. I mean, you, you, you know, they tell you, hey, you're not going to be able to do it. Yes, I'm going to be able to. You know, Paul tells us whatever is good, whatever is righteous, whatever is true. He says, think on these things. Paul says, think on the positive things. Get rid of those naysayers and those people that just bring you down. Am I the only one that has people like that in my life? Huh? They're no longer in my life. Let me clarify that. They're no longer in my life. Praise God. The Bible tells us that greater is he. Greater is he. Greater is he. 
that is in us than he that is in the world. Now, hearing that David was determined in this matter, the Bible tells us that Saul, he tried to suit up David with with his armor. But you know what David did? The Bible tells us that David rejected Saul's armor because it hadn't been proven in his life. I mean, David was determined that he would go to battle with things that have always worked in his past. David knew that the God who had always come through in the past was the God that was going to come through in the present. Nothing has changed. I said, nothing has changed. The God that was with you in the past is the God that's going to be with you in the present. And I've said this before, the God that was with the saints of old is the same God that is going to be with the saints of new. Nothing has changed. And if God delivered you back then, he's going to deliver you now. If God blessed you back then, God is going to bless you now. If God saw you through that problem in that situation then, then God is going to see you through that problem today. Nothing has changed, praise God. Now check this out. This is interesting. David didn't know a thing about shields. He didn't know a thing about spears. He didn't know a thing about swords. You know, give me a gun and I have absolutely no idea how to use it. Maybe I need to ask Brother Bart. That's how David was. He wasn't schooled in the shields and spears and swords. He wasn't schooled in the armies of armor and archery. As a matter of fact, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, the Bible says that Israel had no blacksmiths. They prohibited, the Philistine prohibited any blacksmiths to, to, to be in the Israelite camp. He wasn't schooled. He didn't know anything about spears. He didn't know anything about shields. He didn't know anything about swords. He wasn't schooled in the armors, in the army, in armor and archery. Yet David knew God. I said, David knew God. He didn't know about shields. He didn't know about armors, but he knew about God. He didn't, he wasn't schooled in in the armies. But he knew God. And he knew that God had always given him the victory in the past. And he knew that God did not change. That's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. David knew that God was greater than that giant. Is God greater than your giant? Someone say yes. Someone say yes. David knew that God was greater than any giant. He also knew that God had a plan for David's life that did not include uh, dying at the hands of Goliath. So when David went out to fight the Goliath, he only took those things that had worked for him in the past. The Bible tells us that he took a staff, he took a sling, and five smooth stones, and God with him. Now, this is interesting. This is interesting to note. Now, why did David take five stones? 
I mean, he only really needed one, right? But why did David take five stones? Well, here's some theories that I read. Five in the Bible is the number of grace. And David needed grace to defeat Goliath. Well, he did need grace, right? But, but I doubt that David knew anything about Bible numerology. The second is that Goliath had four sons. And David wanted to be ready just in case they showed up. The giant had four sons. But David didn't know that at the time. But the most likely reason is that David wanted to be sure he could finish the job. He knew that if he would miss, he also, he knew that if he would miss, that he might not fall in the first. He also knew that the giant might not fall at the first sight. But he wanted to be sure that he would complete the assignment. By the way, I want to tell you that, that your giants and my might not fall at the first swing. But if you go into battle and if you fight fully equipped with the power of God and you keep on swinging, I want to tell you that that giant will eventually fall. Day spring, I want to tell you this morning that you can try any methods you please to defeat the giants in your life. You can attend all the latest seminars. You can read all the new books. You can climb into the latest bandwagons. You can even pray the prayer of Jabez. You can strive to read the driven purpose life. But when it's all said and done, giant killing gets really simple. It all comes down to one thing, and that is the just shall live by faith. If God is for us, then who can? can be against us I said if God is for us then who can be against us if you want to see the giants fall lying dead at your feet you need to know these facts number one God is greater than your giants I said God is greater than your giants the God who worked back then is the God that works now. And you need not to try new methods to defeat those giants. Tried and proven weapons like prayer and faith and the word of God still gets the job done. That's the right method. If you want to defeat those giants in your life, I want to give you the secret. Prayer, faith, and the word of God will Always defeat those giants in your life. Those have been proven methods throughout the years. And if you'll just take that method and pray and have faith and read the word of God, I guarantee you that your giants will fall at your feet. Can someone say amen? amen. You know, we all face giants in our lives. Can I get a witness? We all face giants in our lives. Some are facing emotional giants like worry and doubt and fear and anxiety. Can I get a witness? Some are feeling giants of, of, of some are facing mental giants like stress and insecurity. And, and some are even facing depression. Some of you are facing physical giants like a disease or a pain or a disability. For some of your Goliaths, it may be a bad habit or an addiction. For some of you, it might be problems at work or a financial problem that just won't go away. I mean, it just, get, it just keeps getting bigger. That giant just gets getting bigger. But we can defeat all these giants when we face those giants in the name of the Lord. Amen. 
Praise God. I said, we can defeat those giants in the name of the Lord. Goliath relied on himself, his skills, his experience, his shield. That's what Goliath relied on. But David, oh, hallelujah. David came against Goliath in the name of the living God. He could defeat Goliath because God was with him and God was fighting the battles with him. Praise God. Don't try to do it on your own. You will fail, my friend, because I want to tell you that the enemy is strong. Yes, he is. And if you try to face that giant on your own, thinking this giant is going to fall if I say some magical potion or do something. It's not going to work. We need to face those giants in the name of the Lord. That's why the Apostle Paul said, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, not our might, praise God. We can come against the giants in the name of the Lord. Church, let's not worry about the giants that we're facing today. When we face any giants or any problems or any challenges in the name of the Lord, we could easily defeat those giants. Why? Because the Lord is on our side. Because God is on our side. Amen. I remember uh, my brother, he was a fighter. He's not here. You know, when I would get into trouble in school, I'd always call my brother because he would come to the rescue and he would fight him off. My sister, my sister Orpha, man, she was, uh, she was, yeah, she was a chola back then. Man. She, uh, you know those cholas, man, they know how to fight. <laughs> you know, Nestor likes to make fun of Pacoima. I grew up in Pacoima. Every time he talks about Pacoima, after church, I tell hey, yeah, calm the Pacoima jokes down, you know? And he tells me, well, calm the Ford, Ford jokes down. <laughs> I always had my brother on my side, you know. And when they would pick on me, my brother would come to the rescue. He'd fight them off. Hey, we might not have a brother like mine. Hey, but we got God on our side. Amen. We got God on our side. And he will fight our battles. Remember, the battle belongs to the Lord. You know, God was with David. God was with David so that David could defeat that giant. And last but not least, you have to expect the right miracles. You have to expect the right miracles. You know, David, the Bible tells us that he went down the valley directly into an impossible situation. Directly into an impossible situation. Let me remind you who we serve. We serve a God who can do the impossible. He was doubted by his own family members. He was ridiculed. He was mocked by the giant. Yet faith followed David to accomplish everything that fear 
denied Saul and the others. Now notice the contrast between the speeches of Goliath and David. Check this out. David declared the victory and glory even before he fought the giant. He declared victory even before the giant fell. That's weird. You know, back in the 1970s, Edwin Hawkins had a song and kind of revealing how old I am, right? He had a song that said, don't wait till the battle is over. You can shout now because you know at the end you're going to win. So don't wait to shout. Don't wait to give God the glory. Don't wait to say thank you, Jesus, for that giant. You need, to, you need to shout. You need to praise God because God has everything in control. That giant is going to fall and you need to claim victory even before that giant falls. Does someone know what I'm talking about this morning? You can shout now. The essence is faith. It will allow you to reach your victory. It will allow you to reach your victory speech even before the battle is won. Faith. 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 Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith. David engaged the giant in battle. And he won victory over them. Faith took up the challenge that day. Faith stayed with God. Faith walked down into that valley. Faith faced the giant. Faith hurled that stone. Faith saw the giant fall on the ground. Faith received the victory. Never underestimate the power of faith. Mark, can you play something? Never underestimate the power of faith. It may look like you're outgunned, outnumbered. It may look like an impossible situation. I mean, it looked that way for David. It looked that way for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It looked that way for Daniel in the lion's den. It looked that way for the disciples on the ship. It looked that way for Jesus on the cross. And I would just like to remind you, my friend, that we serve a God who specializes in doing the impossible. If you will bring that hopeless situation to God, God specializes in the impossible. If you would bring that giant to God, God works in the impossible. If you would bring that situation to God, God works the impossible. If you bring that trial to God, God works the impossible. If you bring that situation to God, God works the impossible. Impossible situation to him, praise God, is nothing. We serve a God who does the impossible. Can someone say amen? We serve a God who does the impossible. 
Now notice in verse 51, and I'm finishing with this. It says, David ran and stood over him. He took the Philistine's sword and drew it from his sheath. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Now, when David slung that rock, it sank into his forehead and he fell. But that giant was no longer 10 feet tall. That giant was 10 feet long. Did you get that? And David takes the sword, cuts his head off, and that's when he dies. What am I trying to say? That giant, the only place that giant needs to be is under your feet. That giant doesn't need to be in your house. He don't need to be in your home. He doesn't need to be in your marriage. He doesn't need to be in your workplace. The only place that giant needs to be is under your feet. Now, what kind of giant are you looking at this morning? What kind of giant are you looking at this morning? I want to pray for you. Would you close your eyes? What kind of giant are you facing this morning? I mean, do, do, you, do you fear that this giant can't be defeated? Whether it's a giant of sin, a giant of difficulty in your life, I want to tell you that this giant can be defeated. And I challenge you that you bring that giant to the feet of Jesus. Embrace God's methods. Go and face that giant and he will give you the victory. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.